Hello, everybody, and welcome to the final episode of the semester of Chips and Pop for fall 2021. I am Luke. Uh, sadly, Jess cannot make it today. And I thought at first that was kind of a bummer for me because I wouldn't get to talk to her. And, you know, she's kind of my co-host. But I realized that not only am I trapped in here by myself, you, the listener, are trapped in here with me. That's right. Um, I think this is a this reminds me of when I first started, like, taking any BCA classes and like the first time I took a class with like a microphone and we were just like testing out the mic and I realized if someone were to walk in here and not know what's going on, this would look like the biggest group of psychos on the face of the planet. Think about it. It's just a room full of people talking to themselves and the people who aren't talking to themselves are huddled around the person who's talking to themselves. Uh, it's, it's great to watch. I think I have a couple of psych professors. I'm taking a couple of psychology classes. I think I, I could take this show where I just, all I do is talk to myself, and I could use this as reason as to why I need, like, some some type of evaluation. This is, like, the ultimate, like, psychopath litmus test. That's what this is. I'm just, I'm just here in a room, sitting by myself, talking to myself, but we're gonna have a great time. We still have segments to do, including a top 10 list for the top 10 songs, I'm guessing, of 2021. Uh, maybe Michael threw in a, a loop and it's like the top 10 songs of the uh, Victorian era and we'll get some like classic Beethoven or Mozart. Is that Victorian era? Probably not. I don't know what I'm talking about right now. However, something that I hope I know what I'm talking about are the finals for my classes coming up because those are those are like a week away. After this week, it'll, it, it'll be finals week. It'll be cramming time, except that doesn't try not to cram i understand the temptation i understand the the need for it but that's not a good way to study now with the finals fast approaching i would take this week and enjoy it because this is review week there's not a lot of classes that are covering any new material all of it is just all right let's go over what we've already learned so this is a pretty chill week i like to call this the uh, this is like the calm before the storm essentially for finals week but it's coming up quick. Uh, the semester is ending. Time has this weird thing on me anyway, where it feels like if I think about it, time has gone by super fast. But in the moment, it goes by really slow. And I wonder how, I don't know how my brain works like that. It just kind of does. Now, something that was interesting that happened in sports over the past week or so, week or so it wasn't even about like the sports really, but the entire city of St. Louis has been has sued the NFL and he, he sued the guy, the guy who used to own the St. Louis franchise too, but that's not important. He sued the NFL for wrongfully moving the franchise that was in St. Louis. They claimed that there was unfaithful contract practices and things like that. So I, I was ready because one one of the things that St. Louis wanted in return was a new NFL franchise to make up for the one that was moved to Los Angeles, but. Uh, the NFL essentially said, we are going to pay to make this go away. And at first, St. Louis said, oh, no, you're not. There's not a dollar amount high enough that we that we won't get justice for. And they just kind of kept raising it and raising it. And eventually, St. Louis said, you know what? For $750 million, we can make this go away. $750 million sounds like a lot. It is a lot. That is un That is an unfathomable amount of money. Like, our brains work to a point where, at a certain extent, the higher the number, the less it, like, means to our brains. Like, our brains are incapable of comprehending something like a trillion of anything. 
I think like $750 million is kind of in that same category of what do you even do at that point? I don't know what I would do with that money. I wouldn't do anything. I just like, oh, okay, I guess I'm, I guess I'm done doing anything. I guess I'm done doing anything now. But what's unfortunate is for me as a viewer, I would have liked to see what happened if the court says, because the, the court in St. Louis did think there was a case here, that if it wasn't settled, this would have continued. And what that would have led to was probably have been an opening of the NFL's financial books, which if they're is anything that most corporations, especially sports leagues, do not want to happen is if a judge says, hey, um, I want to see how you operate financially. Because what I'm guessing is, it is the NFL is owned by a club of 32 dudes who are very rich, and they have been very rich for a very long time. They know what generational wealth is. And I'm guessing, now this is just a guess, I'm not accusing anybody of anything, to be fair. I'm guessing that maybe some of their business practices aren't maybe up to that snuff. I'm not saying they're illegal, but if I were to guess, I'd think there was a lot of loophole work going on with NFL and uh, their and how they run things generally in a financial sense. Now, in other news regarding legal situations, um, video game company Take-Two, if you don't know who that is, it doesn't really matter as to this case. Uh, they're just a video game company. They filed a trademark claim on a game by Hazelight called It Takes Two. Now, this this is a video game. This is not another video game company calling themselves that. This is a video game company filing a trademark claim on another video game company for a name that sounds kind of similar, but not to the point where it would it would make like Take Two. The video game company is not going to be mistaken for It Takes Two, the video game. By a completely different manufacturer. Just does not make sense. Essentially this is. What has been theorized is that. While this doesn't make. It doesn't force the game to change its name to something else. Hazelight w- does lose. Uh, the protection of the name it takes too. So they can't utilize trademark on it. I think this is this is probably. This has been theorized. To be a corporate move by the Take-Two company. So that if Take-Two wants to. I don't know make a name like a slogan like, oh, it takes two, or something like that, then the video game Hazelight Company, who made the game it takes two, can't sue them, essentially. So, if, you, if you're thinking about a movie that you want to call something, and we want to make sure that it's fine and that doesn't sound like anything else, here's Seraphine with our movie segment for the week. Thanks, Jess and Luke. Seraphine here with your top movie picks for this week. Starting off is House of Gucci. They had it all. Wealth, style, power. Who wouldn't care for that? When marrying into the Gucci family, Patrizia Reggiani makes sure to establish herself as a force to be reckoned with. The film is based on the story of the Gucci family dynasty and dramatizes the story of how their legacy was impacted by this marriage and other factors in the 80s. House of Gucci is currently playing in theaters. Next is Back to the Outback. And the Outback's most dangerous animals. These animals are deadly. (laughs) He's a horrible hiss. Ugh, gross. 
When a team of animals dubbed dangerous learns that the humans who watch them at their wildlife park only see them as menaces, it is up to them to find their way back to the outback to gain their independence while taking a less than enthusiastic koala with them. The film features many talents from Down Under, including Isla Fisher, Tim Minchin, and Guy Pearce. This film will be available on Netflix starting December 10th. Last Shootout brings a western to the big screen. This is a rough country. Builds hard men. You're riding a dangerous trail. When Jocelyn, a newlywed of Callahan Ranch, discovers her husband Jody was the cause of her father's death, she flees in search of refuge from her husband. This film can be rented on Vudu. A beloved claymation character will be hosting his own Christmas special this holiday season. Sean the Sheep, The Flight Before Christmas, follows Sean's hijinks while on the farm. lost while Sean and the other sheep are searching for their ideal stockings. It's up to Sean and his friends to find Timmy and bring him back to the farm. This film is available to stream on Netflix. Our final film this week is Encanto. Many years ago, this candle blessed our family with a miracle. Our house, our casita, came to life with magic. Hola, casita. Mirabelle is born into a family of miraculous talents. Her relatives all have superhuman abilities like superhuman strength and speaking to animals. All family members except one, Mirabelle. When the power behind their abilities is threatened, it's up to Mirabelle to save her family. The film is now running in theaters. That's all for today. I'll see you again next semester with the new films of 2022. All right, thank you, Seraphine. A uh, new movie that just came out on Disney Plus, available for streaming, is the new uh, Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Uh, I haven't seen it. I've seen various bits and pieces. I saw, for some reason, a big stink about the animation style. I think it was it was definitely a mixed reaction. Some people liked it. Some people hated it. I thought it was okay. I thought it was kind of faithful to how the original books looked. And actually seeing the seen kind of the previews and the trailers for the new Diary of a movie that just came out. Uh, I, I was reminded of, that, of the live-action ones uh, that were made in, like, like the early 2010s, I think. Maybe maybe before that. Maybe time is messed up in my brain now. But the live-action ones, were they good movies? Probably not. I don't think anybody would look at them and say, yes, this is this is cinematic art. This is what, we, this is what the ideal movie looks like. But as a kid, I, I really liked them because... I didn't think that was a kind of book that would ever be made into a movie, especially a, a live-action one. And I, I thought they did some cool things with it. There's some good imagery. Like, I remember the, um, oh, the the Greg and Roderick party scene where they're just, like, having a, a good time or whatever. And, and it's PG, so it's nothing, like, too extreme. But for when you're a kid, you think this is an awesome party. Um, the live-action ones... They the third one they recast Roderick, they recast a Roderick which uh, some people didn't like. Um, I I didn't even know they made a fourth one. I had no idea. I was just checking uh I was just checking Twitter about the new movie that came out and I saw like a collage of oh here's all the books that were remade and they remade an, the Long Haul, which I, I I didn't even know came out. The marketing for that movie was so poorly poorly done. I didn't even know it came out and I would I would have at least been interested in watching it 
Maybe I'll watch it now, but I don't even know where to find it. But that brings me up to the the early books are mostly the only ones getting adapted because I've heard that this new movie is an, ad- an adaptation of the first book and they've already announced that they're doing an adaptation of Roderick Rules again that will be animated this time instead of live action. But that just shows that the early books of Diver of Kid had a huge impact and they have a large amount of nostalgia for, you know, people growing up my, around my age. I was around in middle school when uh, Diary of a Wimpy Kid was really blowing up. And I think that hold, that, held, that holds a lot of staying power because that, that's a big developmental uh, period for a lot of kids. And the, the media they consume, including books, ha- plays a big role in that. So, yeah, the only, only the early books seem to be remade probably for that reason because those are the ones that stick the most with the target audience that they're marketing this to. Not to say that the newer books are bad, per se. They just don't receive the same hype and kind of attention. Like, you kind of just see them. They're just kind of sitting there at, like, the book section in, in Meyer, Walmart, and you think to yourself, oh, they're, Jeff Kinney is, is still writing these and making these. And I think there's there's, like, 15 of them now or something. I know it's, I know it's more than 10. I know I looked at the spine of one of those books, and it was a double digit. So there's definitely more than 10 which is probably about five more than needed. But anyway, um, there's a new Spider-Man coming out. I'm excited to see it. I think it it was marketed as like this Christmas, but actually comes out on December 17th. So I guess it's anything in December is qualified as like, oh, this holiday season or this Christmas or something like that. But I watched um, the trailers for it. And I got to say, I, th- I, think, I think the trailers spoiled the movie for me. I, there's There's events that happen. I feel like the whole beginning and middle of the movie are kind of spoiled, so I'm just kind of like waiting to, waiting for those. When I'm when I'm watching the movie, I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna be waiting for those to like go past when I can actually start paying attention, because I'm not gonna spoil any of it now, just in case you've been avoiding trailers and spoilers. But I would have liked to not have uh, a key plot point uh, revealed in a, in a trailer. To, that's just my thing. I get excited for a movie regardless of if I see something cool in the trailer or not. I just kind of, knowing the new Spider-Man, and I, I generally like the Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff, even if it does kind of get a little old and samey every now and then. I do think that this new Spider-Man movie would, would be something I would, I would be excited for anyway, even if I didn't see like some of the stuff with Doctor Strange and some of like the, the older Spider-Man characters coming back. That would have been, I would have been, I would have had a huge pop if I, like, saw that in a movie and didn't know it was coming. If nobody knew that was coming, that would have a huge impact. But now, since it's been in the trailer, when it's in the movie, it'll still be cool, but it'll just have a little bit less of an impact. And uh, there's a West Side Story remake coming out. Um, It seems like the same story, generally the same songs. I guess it'll be a Spielberg movie, so there's no reason for it to look bad because it'll have a huge budget. But at this point, West Side Story is a, it's established. People know what it is. I don't know what reason there was to really remake it. It's still going to be a musical. Um, yeah, there, there, it just seems to be kind of like a, a weird cash grab of, hey, remember this, uh, this thing you, you might have liked back in the day? Well, we're going to make it again. And uh, like Disney does it a lot with their live-action remakes where they just kind of make worse versions of the animated movie and... People buy it because they want to see it again. They're, they're wondering, hey, what, what would this look like in real life? And it's usually a lot less imaginative because, you know, you can do things in cartoons that you just can't do uh, with live action and real actors. 
Um, but one thing is that one of the things that doesn't have to change with remakes is the quality of the music. Lion King can look as realistic and boring as it wants, but it can't take any it can't take any of the life out of the soundtrack. And here we're gonna have a mega long seven and a half minute top ten list of probably again 2021 songs, but maybe it'll be like uh, hits of the 50s or like uh, I don't know pre 1600s. I don't know, like English tunes. Probably not. Probably 2021. Music segment here, Chips and Pop. Thanks, Justin Luke. I'm Michael France here to bring you everything music for the last time in 2021. First, we'll get started with my 10 favorite songs of the year. Slotting in at number 10, I have Save Your Tears, the remix by The Weeknd and Ariana Grande. And when you're doing a remix, you know, it has to be, it should be superior to the original version. And that's not always the case, but in this case, that is definitely what it is. Ariana Grande perfectly matches The Weeknd with her own style. Her amazing high notes and trademark whistle tones really add more depth to the song and make it an even more fun listen than the original version, which I thought was a great song in its own right. Up next here at number nine, I have Family Ties by Baby Keem and Kendrick Lamar. And the song wouldn't be anything too special without Kendrick Lamar, but it's his feature, his minute and a half of just pure lyrical genius that really makes this song what it is to me and others. It's it's the triumphant return of Kendrick Lamar, whom we've not heard of since he did the uh, soundtrack for the Black Panther. And... The lines where he hints at a return, the way he changes his voices three times, which he was inspired to do by Prince, um, and the way he calls out the fraudulent activists of the current Black Lives Matter movement and just everything in the current state of politics in the world. How he fits that into a minute and a half is genius. He's spitting fire as always, and it's what pushes the song over the top for me. At number eight, I have Billie Eilish's Happier Than Ever. This song really proved to me she works as a mainstream artist and that she is above Olivia Rodrigo as a top young female artist in the game today. Uh, The transition from haunting, melancholic lyrics that are almost dreamy, uh, the transition two and a half minutes into a hard power rock ballad that has a new perspective on a relationship that maybe wasn't what it seemed to be and... Uh, it's a sense of empowerment and it's just a really good piece by Billie Eilish and it's probably my favorite piece of hers thus far in her young career for number eight I have Montero call me by your name by Lil Nas X if there was any way to kick off what would be a big year for him here in 2021 it was this way a very unapologetically queer and sexually free song that is probably going to be more remembered for its provocative and barrier breaking music video but nonetheless is a good song on its own um, it has a good hook to it good backing track playful lyrics the song overall is just a good record from Lil Nas X and it's really the beginning of things to come for Lil Nas X as an artist. Next at number six, I have the first of two Jasmine Sullivan songs that will make my favorites of 2021 list, and this one is Lost One. First of all, if you're going to make a sad song, it's it's good to have a very, obviously a melancholic backing track to it, but it's obviously going to be the lyrics that really push the song over the edge into hitting emotion and this song does it well jasmine solomon has amazing vocals she really uses them well here the lyrics are sad and relatable and really capture the insecurity and the heartbreak every little contradiction in a breakup that one feels and i think it says something that jasmine solomon doesn't need to bash the person she has broken up with as jasmine says in the 
song, what's done is done, what's said is said. All you can do is carry on and try not to be a lost one. At number five, I have Girl in Red's Serotonin. This song for me really signified her growing up as an artist and she uses a wider range of instruments. She even scats in it, which I didn't think an artist past 1960 could could scat, but she doesn't. She actually, it works. Um, it's a song that's very well written and it. it's very emotional about dealing with mental illness and it's very forthcoming from her and I'm, I was just really impressed with her growth as an artist. I think it is her best song to date. At number four, I have That's What I Want from Lil Nas X, my personal favorite from Montero, the album. It really establishes Lil Nas X is here to stay. This is going to be his M.O., blending LGBTQ experiences with the hip-hop genre, which is well-known to be hyper-masculine in general. And he's a talented musician. He is a big personality, and he is going to do things his way in this genre. And he's really breaking down every barrier there is and all the power to him for it. Next up at number three, I have regularly scheduled programming by My Morning Jacket. Uh, My Morning Jacket has always been a band that was excellent at engineering musical compositions, especially blending traditional instruments with more modern digital backing tracks. This song is no different, and the song's lyrics are really emotional and hit hard discussing the stagnant digital reality that this world is now living in socially and how we need to break out of that and how the pandemic has really exacerbated those anxieties of the songwriters. It's, it's a beautiful piece, and overall, as a composition of music, I love every bit of it. My number two spot belongs to People Watching by Conan Gray. This song does not differ from previous Conan songs in terms of lyrical content, backing tracks, overall just the sound and vibe and emotional content. However, where this differs from previous Conan songs is his vocals. They are more consistent, they are more powerful, they really get across that yearning, that desire to find love despite not being capable of maintaining it or even failing to look for it in some respects. And... Where Conan sets himself apart from Olivia Rodrigo, who is a close friend and a counterpart of his, is his vocal talent. He is heads and tails better than her at singing. For me, my favorite song of 2021 was a no-brainer, and that is Jasmine Sullivan's excellent Pick Up Your Feelings. I could go on forever about this song and what I love about it. What this song does so well is it really shows off her ability as an artist, and especially as a singer. She goes from spoken word to R&B to traditional singing, just like that, and it's effortless for her. She establishes herself as a lyricist and as an amazing poet. She has great flow and just overall a powerful voice that exudes so much confidence. And that's what I just love about Jasmine and her music. And the backing choir really adds to the power of the song. And the backing track is very unique in that it sounds vintage, like in the 1990s with Lauryn Hill and Mary J. Blige, uh, that kind of beat and rhythm. And it gives the song this timeless feel and really helps emphasize the soul of Jasmine Sullivan and her catalog overall. And I think this is her best work on the album. It's my favorite work on her album. And it is, without a doubt, my favorite favorite song of 2021. Before we wrap up the last music segment of this year, I wanted to acknowledge who I think had the biggest year in 2021, and that was Lil Nas X and the way he broke the barriers between LGBTQ experiences and hip-hop, as I mentioned earlier, along with just really establishing himself as an influential person, as an icon, and as a brand. And that's what really put him over Billie Eilish and Olivia Rodrigo, my other two contenders, for the biggest year of 2021. He was a 
success through and through, and I think this is the beginning of a very long, successful career for Lil Nas X. And that's a wrap on the final music segment of the year 2021. I'm Michael France, sending you back to Jess and Luke. This is Chips and Pop. All right. Thank you, Michael. Well, I think that was a, a more concise and good summary of, of the year of music that was 2021 than I could ever do, clearly. So I'm just going to move on to this. This story is wild uh, that I just that I saw here recently. So uh, the in the Joel Osteen church, and this isn't getting into what you think about like my personal opinions on Joel Osteen or anything like that, but... Joel Osteen, in his megachurch, a plumber was just doing some uh, regular maintenance work when he found apparently a bunch of checks and, like, just bags of money in a wall behind a toilet in in one of the bathrooms of, uh, I think it's Lakewood Church, uh, where Joel Osteen hosts his his sermons. But this was confirmed by the church, by the way, so this isn't, like, some... This isn't like somebody who is like just trying to make something up for for like a headline or anything. This is real. There is just oodles and oodles of money that a plumber just kind of found while going like just doing his job. Just noticed that one of the toilet like the walls behind the toilet or something was loose. I think there needs there needs to be more like toilet church wall money. I think I think that's what the wor- I think that's what we need, but the reason this is even more interesting is that they might tie this back in. Uh, Lakewood Church filed uh, a complaint for a $600,000 burglary that has not yet been solved. So, you know, you, you kind of put on the, the tin foil hat and you think, where? well, if they haven't found this $600,000 yet, I wonder where it could have went. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, it was hiding in the church's walls the whole time that there's there's always money in the banana stand that's a that's an that's like an arrested development reference i watched that show for like uh, a season and a half i i know there's more good stuff on that show and i just haven't caught up to it yet but there is always money in the banana stand well if you don't have a banana stand here like obviously we don't have a banana stand here in mount pleasant but if you want to see something else that you could do for fun here in mount pleasant we have sam here with the local lifestyle segment Final one of 2021 on Chips and Pop. It's time for Local Lifestyle again, one more time for 2021. Sam here with the local events happening around campus before winter break. At 3.33 today, the Counseling Center will be hosting Open Door Art for students to decompress before their week before finals. Students can find the art room in Faust Room 134 to follow a guided project or create their own. More details on the event can be found on the Counseling Center's Engage Central page. Hypothetical Fistfight Improv's final show of the semester is tonight at 7.30 p.m. in Moore Hall, room 216. Their shows feature long-form improvisational sets, which tend to follow storylines for a longer duration of time than what you've seen with other improv groups on campus. 
More information about the show can be found on the Hypothetical Fist Fight Improv Facebook page. The Improv doesn't stop there. Trapdoor Improv will host two more shows this Saturday, December 4th in Moore Hall, Room 102, one at 8 p.m. and another at 10 p.m. This is the last time to catch the group before the next calendar year. More information about the show can be found on Facebook at WCMU Trapdoor Improv. Culmination of a collective, the Fall 2021 Art Graduates Exhibition will be hosting a reception for a featured artist tomorrow, December 4th, from 1 to 4 p.m. The reception is free and open to the public. The exhibition will run until December 18th at the University Art Gallery. From now until March 5th, you can hear the coverage of CMU women's basketball games on Mountain 91.5. Games like the one happening this Tuesday, December 17th at 11 a.m. and the one on Saturday, December 11th, can all be heard live on air. For a more detailed schedule about our broadcast times, you can visit wmhw.org cmu women's basketball. Thank you so much for listening to The Last Local Lifestyle of 2021. I'll be back next semester with even more updates. Now back to Luke and Jess. Alright, thank you very much, Sam. The final Local Lifestyle segment the final pre-recorded segment for Chips and Pop in 2021. Sad to see him go, but we'll be back. We'll be back next semester with all the segments that you love, and maybe we'll add a couple. Maybe we'll add a couple. And uh, we'll see what happens from there. Um, basically, to wrap this up, I just saw that Sunkist was trending on Twitter, and that I like Sunkist. So I was wondering what that was about. It was basically just somebody tweeted out a a picture of like a classic, of a vintage vending machine, and said, "Okay, you have a dollar. Uh, which which you know which pop you're drinking?" And Sunkist was a very popular choice among people. And I saw the the really old like Mountain Dew logo, where like the it's all spelled out. And it's just, it, it looks completely unrecognizable from what it has become now. And it's, I've realized that watching old commercials, Mountain Dew used to be like the, the country drink. Like it, was like, it was like some dude in like jeans and cowboy boots and like a, a, like a stereotypical cowboy hat chilling back on the porch and like enjoying the sunset, kicking back with a nice old Mountain Dew. And I'm fascinated by the the transformation that is it has taken to being now it's just like some guy maybe in like their mom's basement or something in their gamer chair i, I love mountain dew by the way this isn't me like trying to trying to dump on like mountain dew drinkers I, I love pretty much every mountain dew that they've made but like the stereotypical image of somebody who drinks a bunch of mountain dew is again like guy in his basement sitting in a gamer chair like really leaning forward into that the new like call of duty or something and like their mom's knocking on the door hey it's it's like 2 a.m. Get to bed, and then the guy's like, "Mom, give me a couple minutes. I I have to I have to win. I have to win this next game. I have to get my KD ratio up." And then and then that's kind of it's become like the gamer juice, and I think that's it's fascinating how a company can completely change how people view it in the in the course of like 10 years. It's it's amazing when you go go back and watch like old Mountain Dew commercials from like the 80s and 90s before. I think Call of Duty really put a change in that call of duty changed the outlook of doritos and mountain dew just for just for the rest of time obviously because mountain dew is probably making more money well pepsi pepsico is probably making more money off of mountain dew than ever so why would they change how they market themselves uh same with uh what frito-lay makes off of doritos those are like one of the those are some of the biggest brand names as far as snacking that i've seen and it doesn't seem to be slowing down anytime soon but you know 
Uh, thank you all for if you've listened this far, you are you are a real trooper. Remember, like um, 20 minutes ago or like 20 seconds ago when I was stumbling on my words trying to find trying to f- figure out how to talk by myself. Yeah, I think we've we've grown a lot since then. We've grown a lot as people. Uh, you as an audience have grown. I as a talker uh, have not. I have not improved one bit since this show started. But you as a listener have improved. You've built a a better tolerance to talk to listening to just uh, annoying people ramble on and on. So thank you for that. Thank you all for listening throughout the semester. Even if you haven't listened throughout the semester and listening uh, listening on playback or through the podcast, uh, I just want to thank you for your for your time and just being an audience member. Uh, it, it really means a lot to us here. And until next semester, I'm Luke. Jess is not here, but she is here in spirit. And we hope you join us back for next spring semester. Chips and Pop here on 101.1 The Beat.